Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Ministries podcast. My name is Tom Kingsley and I am one of the leaders of the men's ministry here at Brookwood Church. The message you are about to hear was given by John Holcomb, a 20-year Navy SEAL veteran. He shares his testimony of how Christ helped him transition from being a warrior to being a loving husband, father, and most importantly, a follower of Christ. It was recorded at the Men's Connecting Point at Brookwood Church. We pray this encourages you in your walk with Christ. All right, guys, so go ahead, keep on eating. Um, we're just gonna make a few, let give you uh, some announcements here and then we'll get the evening started. Uh, feel free to get up, get seconds, plenty of sandwiches, plenty of salad, plenty of chips left over, but surprisingly, the cookies are pretty much gone, so. All right, um, just a few announcements. Uh, starting off, the women's ministry, usually in the December, has a banquet. Um, and they always ask us for volunteers help serve the food. Um, they're looking for 15 to 20 this year. The evening is December 8th, so I just want to put that on your calendars. December 8th is a Saturday, um, chance to serve the women of Brookwood. Um, we'll make another announcement on that in November and get a sign-up sheet then. A um, couple other things going specific to the men's ministry. Um, in your little agenda booklet, if you open up to the middle, you'll see the questions that we will be doing the table discussions on later that night. The reason I'm asking you to look at that, at the very bottom of the page, there's an email address. Uh, again, once again, showing my uh, creativity, email is men at brookwoodchurch.org. Huh? Pretty sharp, huh? Thank you. Um, anyways, what that is designed for, you know, last year we had a, uh, a town hall to try to get um, your input on how to, you know, where to steer the ministry going forward. We don't want to do a, a town hall every year, but so what we do is we have this email address. This email address is a way for you to communicate with us. Um, anything, for instance, I had a gentleman tonight that knows somebody that he thinks would be a great speaker. Send us an email, send the person's name. Uh, the contact information would be great. Your contact information so we can ask you questions. Um, that would be a great way to help find other speakers for this event. Um, ideas on anything else, communicate with us, things you like, didn't like, that's what that email there is addressed for, or email address is for. Second thing that's happening, we are going high tech. Um, we are actually gonna get a men's ministry website. I have nothing to do with this because it's way over my head. But this should be coming out hopefully in the next month or two. Um, it's going to be a main page for the men's ministry. Then we're going to have links to like the uh, connecting points. So you'll have the schedule for the upcoming connecting points, uh, a page for the mentoring, discipling, uh, a page for service opportunities. But the reason I bring that up tonight, uh, with the mentoring and the discipleships, we have plenty of testimonials we're putting on that website. So for men that are new to the church, are looking around, they can go there, they can see the testimonials. We need testimonials about the connecting point. So, if you've been to these events, or even from tonight, we would love to get your testimony on how this evening was for you, whether it be good or bad, what's it done for you in your walk with Christ, but if you could go to that email address and just send us a little bit of a testimonial on the connecting points, we're going to put those on the webpage. So, I uh, really need your help on that. And then, so, upcoming events. November is our next event after tonight, Fenton Moorhead will be coming, speaking to us. I think everyone knows Fenton. 
And he's going to be working with us from uh, one of our big uh, lessons learned from the uh, town hall early the year was uh, Bible study. People had a lot of questions on it. So Fenton's going to come that night and help us with his ideas or his experience on what, what has helped him with Bible study. He'll probably come in and say, just open the thing and read it, and then he's going to go home. I don't know. So, but anyways, so November, bring a friend. Um, and then December, we don't have one, a connecting point um, scheduled. What the goal is, is to have some kind of a service project for us all to get together. Um, my personal belief is that's when men, um, we fellowship the most. It's when we're doing, you know. Uh, sitting around a table and talking is okay, especially if it's about sports. But doing is where men really connect. So we're looking for a project in December, and that's where this email address also will come in. Uh, the church has already talked to us about doing Christmas Child, but we would like to get your input. Um, is there something you're passionate about that, that you know that if a man, we can get 20, 30, 40 men together would be really, really beneficial? So if you know something like that or something's uh, on your heart, go to that email address we showed you and um, send us the email, and we'll try to get it scheduled for December. Um, and last and most importantly, the purpose of the men's ministry is not to come here and eat food and get fat, even though we're all good at doing that. The purpose of the men's ministry is discipling one another to become followers of Christ. And the main way we do that in the men's ministry is the mentor-disciple relationship. We are up to, I think, what, about 33 now? 33 pairs in that ballpark? For those of you that have been coming to this event, a year ago that was 12, 15. So uh, the example that Jesus gave us of creating 12 disciples and those going forward creating 12 more and 12 more... Um, it's helping. It works for us. I think the thing we're most proud of is three of the men that were being discipled last year are now mentoring others. So this is what, you know, I hope God's putting this on your heart. I don't know where you're in your walk. If you're like me, one day you think you're doing really good. The next day you have no clue. <laughs> but if you feel you are in a position where you can help another man along in their walk, we have these cards put on the back that you're interested in becoming a mentor. If you're somewhat new to Christ and you're really not sure where to turn and the idea of having someone come along you with you and, and help you in your walk, um, say you want to be discipled. Our best way to describe this, this isn't the mentoring program. It's not a, a teaching program. It's not a sermon thing. It's just two men helping each other walk. You know, somebody sharing his experience where they've been in their walk with Christ with somebody who's not far along. My personal opinion is everybody can be a mentor. Everyone should be a mentor. I always say if you've been a Christian for three days, you can mentor somebody who's been a Christian for two days. But anyways, pray on it. But if you would like to become a mentor or a disciple, we have these cards for you. So I'll shut up, and we'll get the evening started. Tonight, um, Johnny Holcomb has uh, blessed us with his present, and he's going to come and give us his story. Johnny was brought to us by Christian Thompson. Christian is in a small group on Monday nights. He's also been very, very active in service. Johnny's Christian's cousin, correct? So we're going to let Johnny do the introduction tonight. So Christian, or sorry, we're going to let Christian do the introduction. I'll get it right. Here you be, brother. Hey, guys. Um, most of you know me. I'm Christian. Uh, and to tell you, I cannot be more honored and privileged to be the one that's introducing my cousin. 
Uh, we had a big family growing up, and so every month we had a covered dish supper. So we were more like brothers than cousins. And, you know, Christmas was we were together. We went through bottle rocket fights and Lord knows what else. I can't believe we survived, much less thrived. And, you know, as, as most families do, you know, we all got to school or whatever. And, you know, here's my cousin going into the most elite military organization, probably in the history of man. And he, you know, we didn't get to see each other as much. And he would come home and he'd always have these cool stories and, you know, he'd always have, you know, amazing things that places he's been. But, you know, he's always been that little brother to me. No matter where we went, no matter what we did, you know, it's like, you know, I'm looking out for him. And, you know, it was just that love, you know. I always wanted to know when I saw him, you know, how you doing personally? How's the family? How are your kids? You know, are you doing okay? And so, you know, uh, another thing that really I think um, God did to both of us was to break us, you know, in different ways, but it equaled the same thing. And that's something we have in common. So I'd like for you to uh, give a hand to my cousin, Johnny Holcomb. All right. Uh... That was really cool what Chris over here said. Uh, you know, we did have a large family growing up. Chris was big back then. He's still big, and, he's still, and he beat us up back then. He probably beat me up now, you know. But, uh, but, but you know, we had a good time. But my name's Johnny Holcomb. He, he asked me to come and speak. First of all, I'd like to say I'm really honored to do this. I know that you guys only do this once a month. There's only 12 months in a year, so you guys only do this like 12 times a year having a special speaker, and I just really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> I was uh, joined the Navy when I was 17 years old. My parents had to sign for me. Got right out of high school. Six days later, they were shaving my head. I went to boot camp, went to A school. Uh, before I went in for two years, all I did was run and swim. And I did that because I knew that I had one chance in boot camp to take the SEAL test, to even get the, the, to even get the opportunity to go to BUDS, which is basic underwater demolition SEAL training. So for two years, that's all I did. Um, I, I swam and I ran, I pushed up some pull-ups. So when I got into boot camp, they let us take the test for it and I passed that test to even get to try out. So I did boot camp, I did A school, and then I went to BUDS. We had 122 guys in my class and at the end of six months, there were only 17 of us. Um, I didn't think it was that bad when I was going through because I was wanting to do this for two years and training for it and training for it. But at my 15-year mark, um, okay, so I made it through BUDS. I went to SEAL Team 1. I did three platoons at SEAL Team 1. Um, did Desert Shield, Desert Storm. Did some really cool stuff over there. After that, I uh, came back and a uh, SEAL command called Dev Group, uh, SEAL Team 6. What, what they do is they go around to all the SEAL teams and they see if guys want to interview to go out to that command. So I interviewed, I got picked up, I went out there, and then you had to go through a green team process, like another six, seven months, eight months to go through green team. And I did that. Um, went to the assault team, went to the sniper team, did some cool stuff throughout my whole career. My 15-year mark, they said, you're addicted to the adrenaline, dude. You got to slow down. 
And because I was one of those guys, they said, hey, we need two snipers over in Bosnia. I throw my hand up. Next thing you know, I'm getting my money. I got my credentials. And I'm walking right into Norfolk International Airport with two sniper rifles. And I give it to the lady at the counter. She looks at me, her eyes get big. She calls a number. Next thing you know, I'm landing in Bosnia somewhere. And that's the way my life was for 15 years. Absolutely crazy. Uh, but it was a good crazy. And um, I absolutely enjoyed serving the country. But um, so anyway, when I went back out to Bud's, they said, you're going to take shore duty back out at Bud's, which putting the guys through SEAL training. I said, well, I want to do first phase. That's, that, that's the phase where you get them. You, you get the guys for the first two months. You put them through hell week and you put them through everything. And I said, that's the one I want if y'all don't mind. And they said, sure. And uh, it was absolutely, when I saw my first hell week from the outside looking in, it's absolutely insane. It's a wonder somebody doesn't die every single class. And I hope nobody tells anybody that. Please, please don't. But it's also the most rewarding thing to see a kid. Like, you're, okay, so Sunday, Sunday night, Monday, Monday night, Tuesday, Tuesday night, Wednesday, Wednesday night, Thursday, Thursday night, Friday morning, Friday afternoon, you get four hours of sleep. That whole time. And you know when you come home from work at the end of the day, you take a shower, and you're like, God, I'm just so tired. No, it don't work like that in there. You're wet and sandy. You're, you're, I mean, they keep you moving. And you pretty much lose three-quarters of everybody Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. The, the people you have Wednesday night going into Thursday morning, those are the ones that make it. And it's just incredible to see them change their whole mentality. Thursday morning when I used to walk over the berm because I had the first shift cruise, I'd go up to them. I'd go, hey, man, you want to quit? And they'd look at you, and they'd smile, and they're like, no way, dude. And you're like, you got it, man. And they're not scared of anything anymore, you know, because they're, they're past that point, you know, in their mind to where they know that they can do pretty much about anything they put their mind to it. Um, so anyway, went out to Bud's, did that for uh, two years, took shore duty. It was still in me, just a, man, I was just... My mind was different. You know what I mean? It was, it was like I just had to, I was just such an adrenaline junkie, you know. I, I, I miss getting into it, you know. And uh, it's really a, a bad thing to talk about now. You know, well, 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 it wasn't then, but it is now, you know, looking back at the, way I, at the person I was. But uh, so anyway, I went right back to dev group, which was six. Went right back to the sniper cell and um, wound up getting out from there. The first three years of my life, out of the military was absolutely horrid. The one thing the military does is they take such good care of you that when you get out, you've got no direction. I had no idea what I was going to do. Every day, I had no direction, you know. Before I got out, I got kind of put in a situation where I had a lot of time on my hands to read the Bible, and that's what I did, is I read the Bible a bunch, and it was just like something kept bringing me to it, bringing me to it, bringing me to it. And, and I made a decision that, you know what, I truly believe that this is real. You know, I, I think that everything in here is real. And God, you know, I'm going to give my whole life to you, you know. And so for three years while I was out, that's what I did. I woke up and I read the Bible hours on hours on hours. I'd go out in the woods and I'd just cry. Because, you know, when I got out, we saved up my whole career so we could move out in the country and buy land. So we got 100 acres and um, i just go out and sit down by a tree and just bawl, man. It was like um, 
Bees were in my head. It was just like, just, I, I couldn't control it. And then I would pray for patience. And you never want to do that when you're going through something like that. Because the kids would come in. That's when my son was about this big and my daughter. And it just sounded like they were just so loud, man. You know what I mean? They were just making all these noises and everything was loud. And I'd go outside again and just, and that's the way my life was. I, I was completely a mess, man. And I remember trying to play with him on the floor with Legos. No, those uh, Lincoln Logs. And I was wanting to get up, go do something, wanting to get up and go do something, wanting to get up and go do something. And I actually had to imagine myself being handcuffed to the floor to play with my own son. That's how messed up I was, man. And, oh man, and, and I remember going and telling my wife, I said, Jackie, sweetheart, I said, I ain't working, man. I ain't doing nothing. I'm not doing one thing on this planet till I get this right, because I'd rather be dead, man, if I can't play with my own kids. And she looked at me and she said, well, I, I believe you're serious. And I said, I am. I said, I'd rather die right now if I can't play with my own kids, man. So for that time forward, I took the kids out of school and started homeschooling them. And I would make myself sit right in the middle of them six hours a day until finally, after years of doing that, it went away. You know what I mean? That's how messed up my brain was, man. Um, but I don't blame it on my military career. I just think that's the kind of person I was. There's a lot of people that go in the military, they get out, they do it. I was just addicted to that lifestyle. Um, so anyway, I, this has been a 10 or 12-year journey for me since I've been out. I think I've been out about 12 years. And I gave my whole soul to God. You know, I think there's a difference between, and, and, and I'm not knocking it one bit, and I don't want you guys to think that. I think there's a difference of going to college in an environment to where you're, you're brought up a Christian and you're studying God's word in, a, in kind of a classroom setting. And there's a difference believing that that whole book will change your whole mind and that you're reading it like you're clawing your way out of the pits of hell. I believe that with all of my heart, man. And, and, and so that's what, that was my journey. So anyway, so here I am. And what I want to do is to share with you guys the most basic and simple thing in the whole entire planet. Jesus was trying to get it in people's heads. You know, God told us in the very first chapter, and we all blow by it. Everybody looks at the Bible and what they do is they start reading it. And they're like, well, I want to read this whole thing because they want to accomplish that. And they missed the whole first chapter. So right now, how did God create the world? He did what? He spoke it. That is exactly, exactly right. He spoke this whole entire world into existence, right? He, this world would not be here unless he said, and God said, let there be light. Y'all understand that? Do you really understand that? Because my next question is, what are you saying over your own life? God gives each and every one of us in here the ability to create your own world with the words that come out of your own mouth. My words create the world that I live in at my house. You guys understand that? Because... He, how do I say that? The, the whole Bible leads up to who? Who? 
Jesus, that's exactly right. The whole New Testament looks back at who? Jesus, right? Jesus, like the whole New Testament, Paul is doing nothing but talking about Christ and the church and building, but it's all the example to Jesus, right? So, and what I'm gonna do is I'm going through these questions. I'm not gonna do like, uh, I'm, you know, if you guys to sit down and, and discuss and all that, I'm gonna kind of tell you the answers, you know? So, I'm, I'm sorry. But the whole entire Bible leads up to Christ. The whole New Testament looks back at Jesus. So this is the kicker, right? When I was going through this, my whole journey with God and what I'm still going through with God is everybody kept saying in church, man, we gotta be like Christ. Have y'all ever heard that? Everybody, well, if anybody has not heard, you know we have to be like Christ, raise your hand. That's right. So every single person's heard that. So if God puts such a huge emphasis on our words, right? His words created this world. Our words create our own world. How did Jesus talk to God? That's what he's talking about, to be like Christ. How was Christ's relationship in a speaking relationship with God? How many people know the chapter in the Bible that God, that Jesus dedicated the whole, the whole entire chapter is Jesus Christ speaking to God. Does anybody know that? Yep. Why is he the only one that knows that? Y'all following me? You guys, it, it's the easiest thing in the world, but we never do it. People never talk to God. You think you do, but you don't. So how did Jesus talk to God? And that's what I want to talk about, y'all, is it changed my whole entire life. I read, and this is the wildest thing in the world. I even told my wife, this is years ago. I'm like, Jackie, something just keeps bringing me back to John 17. I would read John 17 every night for years on end. And I'm like, why am I reading this chapter? I got it memorized. Why is something bringing me back to it? Why do I keep reading this chapter, you know? And it wasn't until about just a couple years ago till it hit me like a ton of bricks in the face. You know? Christ tells you, he even tells you in John 17 what eternal life is. Eternal life, he says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you and the only true God, and that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Eternal life, eternal life, is just the adjective. Adjective is a describing word. Eternal is the adjective for life. And when you look up the word eternal, it means a complete, fulfilling, the way the Greeks tried to explain the word eternal, it's a fulfilled everything life with God. Eternal life is your relationship with God and Jesus on this planet. You don't wait till you get to heaven. Heaven is you're gonna live forever. But the eternal life that Jesus is talking about, which is in John 17, is that complete, fulfilled relationship life with God Almighty himself, the creator of this whole universe, right now, right here, this very second. That's what eternal life is. So I, I kept studying that, studying that, studying that. And then it dawned on me what I was doing in my own prayer life. I would pray for things like... Uh, um, God, I pray, pray for my son, you know. I pray for my daughter, right? And then it hit me like, well, how did Jesus talk to God? And you're like, John, you've been reading that chapter forever, man. 
Jesus asked God for something. Then he gave them, and this is the biggest thing at our household, is he gave them a so that. He said, God, I pray for this so that this will happen. God, Jesus gave God direction on where he wanted to get blessed in his prayer. Does that make sense? John chapter 17, 26, he says, he said, he said, I pray that they know you so that the love that you have for me may be in them and I may be in them also. He just didn't stop at asking for something. He gave God a reason. He gave God a direction on where he wanted his prayer to go, right? At our house, when we pray for something, I'll say, God, I pray for my son today so that he does well in school. Well, see, we homeschool so that uh, everything that he puts his hands to that he'll be blessed at. I've given God a picture of where I want that prayer to go. If not, how does he know how to bless you? Does that make sense? Does to everybody, everybody with me? So that's, that's what we do at our house. And um, we, we, uh, we talk about God all day. At, well, not all day, but we go throughout our day, you know, and if we pray, that's the way we do it. There, there's a part in the Bible to where there's, there, there's a passage where he talks to Peter and he says, Peter, whatever you loosen on heaven, whatever you loosen on earth is loosened in heaven and whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. When he was talking to Peter about that, you can have certain goals in your life that you're praying for. And when you give God the so that's on where you're going with that blessing, heaven starts working for you. Does that make sense to everybody, right? When I'm praying for my children, when I'm praying for my family, when I'm praying for a specific thing and I'm giving God the avenue that I wanna go, I know that as long as I loosen that with my tongue, that heaven and God will be working for me. And that's why people pray, you know, that you open that door up. Well, if you give them that request in your relationship with God, the doors are already starting to line up. Am I making sense? All, but it also takes you to bind it up. All you have to say is, no, I don't want to do that. Or you can completely change it. And then everything shuts down, you know. So uh, I don't know if I gave you the answers to the other two questions. What were they? Right. So that's what I want to do right now is, uh, is I want to give you guys a second, and I think it's the third question, is what are you doing to create your world? Okay? Even for the older men in here, I think it's Psalms 92, uh, it says that you'll still bear fruit in old age. So it doesn't matter if you're 75 or 80, you're still supposed to be praying for something and like making something happen in your life, you know. So uh, there's no age limit on it or, or anything. So what I'm going to do is, I'll, is I'm going to take like a five-minute break and let you guys look at that and just kind of think about it and maybe talk to each other about your, your, your goals that you have in your life, where your prayer life's going, where your relationship with God going, is going, and the things that you're asking God for now. I'm going to tell you guys a quick story real quick. Uh, 
I, I got a bunch of them, man. But this is pretty funny, especially when I was out at uh, Bud's putting the guys through training. Uh, you can only imagine what, 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 what can happen out there at uh, SEAL training. But one day, okay, well, the, the SEAL training Bud's is in a place called Coronado. It's actually Coronado Island. And there's still teams. I will, I'll, all the odd numbers are out on the West Coast. All the even numbers are on, on the East Coast. So one, three, five, seven, and nine are out on the West Coast. Two, four, eight, ten, and uh, dev groups out on the East Coast. So when I went out to Bud's, the Olympic Training Center is maybe a 20, 30-minute drive down the road. You just get on the freeway. And it's where we train our Olympic athletes, you know, the best the best athletes in the whole country, right? So the psychologist there got to have a pretty good relationship with us. So he likes to bring the athletes down to us for a day, you know? So he brought us the men's rowing team, right? These dudes, I saw a guy in here that was that tall. Who's the tallest guy in here? I think it's you. Yes, yeah, if you could stand up, sir. Just stand up real quick. There. They all looked like him. <laughs> Every one of them. There was probably about 12 of them. They all looked like JCPenney models. They're, they're all Nordic looking. You know, they're, they're huge. They come out, and you can just tell they're just exuding just cockiness, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> just cockiness. So the way we do it out at Bud's is we run around the first five weeks before hell week and then after hell week you don't have to do it anymore but you run with a boat on your head right so to do that we have to put everybody in a height line you know you can't have a five foot guy with a six foot guy because a six foot guy get all the weight right so we so we yell out high oh, like they get in a height line they line them all the way up so we got our small guys going all the way to the tall guys we'll go down through there and we'll go one two three four five six seven one two three four five six seven you know those seven are in a boat crew those seven the smallest ones we got, these dudes are, I mean, some of them are four seven. You know what I mean? Like four seven to five two. And we, and we, and we call them the Smurf crew. That's what we call them. So, so what we did is we got them over there, and we got these Nordic dudes. The, this is the Olympic rowing team, right? We get them over there, and we're like, this is, and, and there was two sets of them. We said, these are our boats. They're IBSs. These are the paddles. This is what you're going to do. So we were doing surf passage. Surf, uh, surf passage out in California will do it when the waves are like really big, right? So they paddle the boats out. They go up these waves, hope to God it doesn't flip them, and wham, right back down. They go out past the breakers, okay? They jump out. They flip the boat. They flip the boat back over, and we call it dumping water. They'll, and even if there's not even water in it, they still flip the boat. They flip it back. They hop in the boat, and they paddle all the way back, right? So we told the guys, like, we're going to do just a little race here, okay? We got our Smurf boat crew, right? These guys are like this big. These guys are like this big. And we said, this is our weakest boat crew out here. This is our weakest group out here. And you guys are the Olympic rowing team. You guys shouldn't have any problem beating them, right? You know, and they're all looking at us all cocky. So we said, you guys go over there and get your boat together and do all that stuff. And we got these guys, and all the instructors got around them. And we said, we will absolutely hammer every one of y'all. <laughs> we, will, we will kill every one of y'all. Nobody, every one of y'all are going to quit. 
because we will stay out here all night, all day, all night, until every single one of y'all quit if you do not beat these guys, <laughs> right? These guys, four-foot dudes, right? They got snot, they got boogers rolling all down them. You know, they've been out in the water all day, they're cold, they're freezing, and they just look like bulls, man. They're just like, oh, they're, man, they're looking at the water. And so the reason I'm doing this is to tell you how powerful motivation can be, right? This is what I tell people, like a motivational story. These guys are sitting there, and we told the Olympic rowing teams that they have to beat these guys. We just said, hey, you guys have to beat this guys. You know, this is our weakest crew. You guys are the best guys on the planet right now rowing for the United States of America. These little bitty dudes, when we said stand off and go, they were like <laughs> straight back. These guys are still out there getting pushed around in the waves. Getting, They come in and they just their hats are sideways. They just look absolutely a mess. And so all the instructors stood over there and we're all around the Olympic rowing team. And uh, we said, so you guys are the best that America has to offer. That whole cocky look was gone from their eyes. <laughs> And we looked over at the psychologist, and that's exactly what he wanted. And he said, you guys got him, man, for the next hour. And we said, you guys go over there and grab the logs. And we just hammered those dudes, man. And it was such a good time, you know. But it's amazing on what you think, on what you can accomplish if you think that you're, that you're really going to die, man. You know what I mean? How many people here really look at, and that's what I was getting back to the Bible for. I thought I was really going to die, man. Like I was, I was climbing out of something in my mind, man, looking for God. I mean, how many of us truly do that with God? You know what I mean? And I'm not hammering you guys, man. I've yelled at a lot of people in my life. You know what I mean? But I don't mind sitting up here and telling you guys, and I'm just going to say it, you know what I mean? And, and y'all can think I'm bad or not. Your lives are going really good because if you hadn't sat down, if you haven't sat down yet and thought, wait a minute, if my whole relationship with God is based off of speaking and praying to God, and if I'm supposed to be like Christ, how did Christ talk to God? Well, it's in John 17. You guys are pretty comfortable, you know what I mean? And... And I'm not saying that to be mean, man. I just want you guys to take it to heart. You know what I mean? But every day you wake up, you got the chance to create your own world with your words. And if that doesn't scare you to death, then there's something wrong, man. Like God wants us to be happy with our lives. But he also gives you, if you knew the whole weight of this whole planet was on your shoulders and you had to speak over it, how would you do it? Well, that's what Jesus did, man. In John 17, right? Jesus prayed. At the time, the Jews just thought they could get God, right? Jesus said in John 17, 21, that's where I stopped with my pen and I circled it. It's one of the only times in the whole New Testament where the word us comes in. And he said that they all may be one as you are in me and I am in you, that they all may be one in us, right? That's powerful, you guys. I mean, he prayed that the same love that he felt for God being us. You know what I mean? But how many of us really are so scared in our life right now that we apparently just really don't care? You know what I mean? And, and I'm not saying that to be rude. I don't want to get stoned up here. You know what I mean? 
But, but I'm saying that as a man to another man. You know what I mean? Like, I take it dead serious. I wake up in the mornings and I pray a few things over my life out loud every morning, man. I pray this, almost the same things. And then throughout the day, when I see an opportunity, when God, when I think he's leading me a certain way, man, I'll pray. Like, I thank God out loud at my home, man. When I'm sitting there, and I've been in some bad situations, you know what I mean? When I'm sitting there, and I got my house, and I got a cool kitchen, and I got my wife and my kids, they're homeschooling, and my wife's cooking. I just say, thank you, God. And I say it out loud. Man, how many of y'all do that? Man, and if you're not doing it, do it. You know what I mean? Because God puts you all the way to that spot, and he just wants you to speak. And he's not, and, and, and he doesn't, he wants you to do it so he can create stuff through you. Do you know what I mean? He wants to bless you. And that's what I want to talk about for the next, like, five minutes. Why are we so scared to talk about our blessings among other people? You know why? Because we all grew up in a church, and I'm going to tell you something. People grew up where they're like, well, you only need to ask what you need. How many people heard that? You only need to ask for what you need, right? Well, I'm going to tell y'all something. How many people know who Oswald Chambers is? Raise your hand. All right. I've read that man's devotion over and over and over. And that man talks about Jesus. The way he talks about Jesus is absolutely incredible, isn't it? For y'all that have read it. It is, a, it is such a simple, deep devotion. It is the most read devotion on the whole entire planet. This is a guy that dedicated his whole life to a relationship with God. And the way he speaks of Jesus and God, you can tell, man, that that guy had it. I was reading him one time, and I, I remember my grandma saying, well, you only need to ask for what you need. And I'm like, well, what do we need? Well, you need clothes, you need food, you need a house. Well, that ain't right, man. I'm telling you, God wants you to be blessed, man. And he wants you to ask for that stuff. Here's a man, Oswald Chambers, and this is what he says in one of his devotions. And I want every one of y'all to listen to this. And I want you guys to talk about your blessings openly with your family and with your other friends here every time you guys are around each other because your words are creating your world. This man said, okay, he said, I knew that God walked with me. I knew that he listened to me. He said, the one thing that I regret in life is I didn't ask enough. This man knew that God Almighty walked with him. Folks, if that man that wrote that said that he didn't ask for enough, I believe with all of my heart, you will honor his life and everything that he went through if you ask for everything, man. There is nothing wrong with that. And if you feel guilty of that, man, you get that in your head and you spit it right out. And you start asking God for blessings, man, over your life. You give God a sense of what you want, and you give him the direction you want to go, right? Me and my son, we just did something absolutely insane a week ago. He, he likes old cars. How many, how many knows what a 72 Javelin is? Oh, yeah, y'all know. Well, he already has one of those, and we're fixing that up. My daughter's got a 72 Maverick. Who knows what that is? We're, we're fixing that one up. Well, my son, he's been saving up his money since he was little. We've been saving it up. And he saw a matador. Who knows what a matador is, right? There's only 11 in the country. And there was a guy in Rhode Island that had one for $3,000. Every one of them, all the rest of them were $15,000, $20,000. This guy said it was drivable. He said, Daddy, let's go get it. I said, man, I ain't driving all the way to Rhode Island. And he kept talking, talking about it. And I said, you know what? All right. 
We rented a car on Woodruff Road, an SUV. I wish we'd have never let that thing go. It was nice, wasn't it? It was on the Chevy Equinox's air. We made it in 14 hours, right? Made it one day. Guess how many days it took us to get back? <laughs> Guess. It took us four days. There we go. We got a winner. It took us four days to get back. Cars that were made back then were made for the highway traffic back then. Not now. People fly on the highways. We got stuck in New York City, man. It was absolutely awful. I'm just panicking. I'm trying to be cool, maintain my calm so the sky doesn't freak out, right? And we're just driving. You would not believe the prayer. I was praying for my life mile by mile. I, and, 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 and like, I'm serious. I was like, God, I know you're with me. I know it, and I'm not questioning that, but I need help. I need help right now. God, I need help right now. I know you're with me. Please help us. I know you're with me, you know, and that's the way my life was for four days, man. So uh, we got into New York. Uh, it was running kind of rough. I changed the fuel filter on it. I, I was just panicking. I was trying not to act like it, but even the locals said, you just got to get out of here, man. <laughs> this is the locals said, you got to get out of New York, man. So I said, well, when can I get on that road and there's no traffic on it? They said, between 9 and 12 o'clock, you need to get on that highway and you need to go that way and get out of here. So at 9 o'clock, that's where we were, wasn't we? We hopped on that road, oh, and the manifold's messed up, so it's got an exhaust leak. Sounds like a tractor, this car. Like, and so anyway, we get all the way into West Virginia, and all of a sudden, we're about an eighth mile off the exit, and crack. And we had all our tools with us because I took them up there. So we pull over, and I know a little bit about engines. And I said, Sky, where do you think it's coming from? And what it was is it's got lifters on it. Anybody mess with engines? Those have two lifters on them, and they got a bracket that go from one lifter to the other one. That bracket had cracked off, so I had to replace that, and then we took back off. And uh, we actually made it up a, I think it was a 20 or 30-mile hill. Well, well, anyway, there's a mountain going off of 81 into 77, and I think I clocked it at 25 or 30 miles gradual up. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, but that thing made it, man. Those straight six engines are awesome. But even in that time of need, I was praying to sow that. You know what I mean? The one thing that I want every one of y'all to understand, man, is how powerful your words are over your own life. Jesus was trying to tell that to people back then. He'd say, they, they would see him coming. They'd say, son of David, heal me. Have y'all read that, right? And he'd go, do you believe I can heal you? And they'd go, yeah. And he'd throw it right back on them. He'd go, well, by your words and your faith in me, you're healed. Jesus healed them because they asked, because it came out of their own mouth. Their own words created that. Y'all understand that? And he was walking around trying to get everybody to understand that. You know? You're... Your words create your own world. And that's what the Bible, if, if you look at the Bible like that, the whole Bible is nothing but relationships, no, Moses, Noah, Joshua, David, about how they spoke with God and about how God blessed them, you know? So this is what I did with my wife. I said, Jackie, that's my wife's name. I said, you're going to take my John 17 30-day challenge. And I don't care if it's boring to you, whatever you're reading in your life, like she gets up and does her devotions and does this, just read it. And about the 15th, 20th day, she said, Johnny, have you seen all the so that's in that? And I said, I have. And she said, look at them. And she underlined every single one of them. You have to give God direction in your life. Give direction 
He has to know how you want to create your world. All right? And it will absolutely blow your mind. Uh, I'm trying to think of another good story real quick. That's crazy about Buds, but Buds is absolutely insane. And those guys that make it through now, it's actually worse now than it was when I went through training because what they do, they have it all scientifically um, done to where they can torture you to a certain point. <laughs> and what I mean by that is we can stick a kid in the water in the winter and we can stick the whole class out there, get them super cold, come back. We do a core temperature now. They actually have a straw that's hooked up to a machine. The person actually bends over and they do it through the rectum and we get a core temp. They take the core temp, they take the air temp, they take the water temp. There's a point in your body when you reach hypothermia when you reach hypothermia, you're fine because you don't feel any pain. But going from normal to hypothermia, it hurts bad. And we can keep them right there. <laughs> That's crazy now, isn't it? It's nuts, but we can keep them right there. And you have never seen so many people. Oh, and you talking about being sarcastic and the mind games. I can sit there and talk people into quitting, you know. But anyway... Um, the people that go through that, I mean, they, they, we all got a really passion to serve the country and protect the world, you know. Uh, and I've been in some countries, y'all, where America has it made. There are some mean, mean people overseas, man. People that you wouldn't even imagine what they do to other people, you know. Uh, but America is truly blessed. So what I want to do up here is I don't mean to... Uh, you know, to get back to putting people on the spot. I hope I didn't come across like that. I hope I don't come across as cocky. That's the last thing in the world that I want from myself. But I'm just sharing things that I have, that God's told me, things that are working in my life, not things that I hope to work, things that are being created in my life and working, you know. And the next time you guys read the Bible and you're reading someone, look at how they speak to God Everything that I said comes right out of the Bible, man. The whole Bible leads up to Jesus. The whole Bible looks back at Jesus. You guys study the way that Christ talked to God, and that's the way you're supposed to be like Christ. You were supposed to talk to God the way that Jesus did, and you watch your life to start opening up with blessings. You're never too young to ask for them, and you're never too old to ask for them. So um, does anybody have any questions? I know I went over. I'm sorry. Does anybody have any questions about... Yes, sir? You said you were an adrenaline junkie back then, so I imagine there was a lot of self-torture at that time. Did you have faith? Did you have a price in your life then? No, but that's the biggest thing that I hate looking back at myself, man. I'll just be honest. Uh, um, I thought I was... Uh, it was a really big... I was, a lot of us are, you know, SEALs, because they train you like that. When you go into a situation... You have to know that you're going to win, man. You know what I mean? Like, when you walk in, you're, you're going to, like, there's no question, like, in your mind that you're not going to win. But the thing was is we start to believe that in everything that we do, you know. And the more I read the Bible, the more I was absolutely crushed at my spirit to know that, uh, like, it's opposite. You know what I mean? Um, and, but I don't like looking at the person I used to do. That's another thing to get back to John 17. Jesus Christ, he never prayed for the past. 
You guys, you guys done anything wrong in your life. I don't care what it is. If it's with drugs, if it's with drinking, if it's with a woman, if it's with whatever, man, God don't want you to think about it. He does not want you to even pray about it. Christ prayed for the present and the future. And you were supposed to pray for the future of your life, the future of your generations. Man, you're supposed to pray for the future. That's what he did. He never prayed once for the past. If something's burdening you in your mind, you say, God, take that burden away, and you move right, right forward, man. You know, when I look at the person I used to be, I, man, it really disturbs me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I wouldn't want to talk to that guy right now, you know. But, uh, you, you know, you, you guys try that. Just read John 17 for 30 days. It may sound like the same thing over and over and over and over and over, but just do it. And just see what he prayed for, how he prayed for it, where his soul was, his spirit, when he did pray for it. You know what I mean? He was getting ready to go to the cross, so he probably wasn't in too of an uplifting spirit. You know, the Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, right? Jesus' spirit was poor in spirit right then. His, his spirit was crushed. When you stand before God, you can't stand before God cocky, you know? And, uh, but anyways, anybody else have any other questions? Um, John, we thank you for coming. We thank you for blessing us with your word, with your life. Um, very moving, very inspirational. So let me close this with a prayer, and then we will uh, get on our way. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the blessing of this evening. We thank you for the way that you used John to, uh, to come here tonight and, and give us his message, his testimony on how you are working in him, Lord. We ask that spirit grow in each one of us so that we can go out and become the disciples that you have designed us to be, that we become the leaders of our homes, the leaders of our community, the leaders of our workplace, that we can be like Christ and spread your gospel. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for coming. What a powerful message. If you are encouraged by this message, you can learn more about our men's ministry and other adult ministries at Brookwood by visiting brookwoodchurch.org forward slash adults or on the Brookwood Church app. Thanks for listening and have a great week.